From Glitch HQ on Riverside Avenue in the one, the only, Minneapolis, this is Nice Games Club, the show where nice game devs talk gaming and game development. I'm Martha McGarry, and I make nice games. I'm Steve McGregor, and I make nice games. And I'm Martha Croy, I too make nice games. For this week's episode, our topics are all things Steam and video games inside other video games. And so, if everyone is ready, let's start. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like it's been forever since we've done I this. I know. I was just about to say, it's so nice to be back in the, in the studio with the guys <laughs> at the clubhouse. Well, it's, uh, I don't know anyone who really cares, but this January here at Glitch HQ has been insane. Yes. It's been the immersion program, and we moved our recording dates, and we recently changed what day we record on, and um, a whole so, bunch of new stuff for the new year, I guess. Yeah, and as a result of that, we have no, uh, we always talk about calendar math on this show, because we try to have a couple in the can, so in case one of us gets hit by a bus or something, or has to leave town, or whatever, we have, you know, we can keep a regular uh, release schedule. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't have that right now. <laughs> yes. episode, We're living on the edge. This episode you're hearing now was recorded It's from your timeline yesterday. So <laughs> it's a panic moment for us. I mean, it's the furthest out on the, uh, you know, the edge of the uh, uh, tree branch that we've ever been. But um, I mean, that also allows us to talk about new things coming up. Yes, uh, that's true. What is the, what's the news? There's the Nintendo, I'm not going to call it the Nintendo Boxel, and that's not it. The Nintendo Labo. <laughs> I was, because it's a, because they're cardboard boxes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's but, like childhood dreams come true. Yeah. I mean, the Nintendo Switch is already a childhood dream come true, so it's like childhood dream squared. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny because it's a box. Ah, ah, ah. Ah. <laughs> you guys are too much. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, for anyone who missed the announcement, which is nobody, um, Nintendo's got this new thing where you just build this bunch of cardboard stuff, put your Switch in various pieces in it, and uh, it's new ways to play. And so a whole bunch of new stuff, yeah. Yeah, and it's really exciting because it shows off um, all of the the sensors in the in, in the Switch in the Joy Cons, mm-hmm. um, which are you know there's still there's not really a lot there. It's just that they're. I, we now know why they're there. Yeah. Basically, it's for things like this. Yeah, yep. Um, like that infrared camera, which literally its only other use, this camera on the, on the bottom side of this controller, mm-hmm. its only other purpose was that sandwich eating game. Oh, that's one, right. One, two, switch. Yeah. Uh, now is basically the, 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 the sort of like linchpin of this, this uh, system where it can read all of these inputs from reflective tape inside these cardboard machines. You can build a full octave piano, a robot with like multiple points of articulation without needing multiple tracked controllers. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's an incredibly efficient piece of uh, hardware engineering. Yeah. It's, it's really impressive. It's really fascinating. I love the little robot. You put the little Joy-Cons in and then because uh, the, the Joy-Cons have HD rumble, like they just vibrate a certain way and then the robot yeah. just goes in a particular direction. That's insane. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, that's just so impressive to me. I know. I mean, I don't know. I don't know about you guys, but like, I want it, but it's not for me. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, I if I, I got nephews, so like maybe I could make that as an excuse. Um, that's and my I, reason. And they love playing. They love playing on my Switch. Uh-huh. Um, but like, I don't know. I, I I think I just need to be happy for it existing. I really. I don't think it's something I really I, can. Do. I'm getting it for me. Are you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well. I'm, well, I mean, I think it, it fits the robot thing. So there's a, so there's another there's two different robot things right. that they announced. One is the little robot that you can control, and the other one is like the suit that you put on with yeah. the little backpack, and mm-hmm. then you can like show it's like controlling stuff right, on the it's screen a with it. Size mech suit, but like you could use that with a Vive and like yeah, 
like somehow, I don't know, it gives me ideas for the talk that me and my brother are going to do in April mm-hmm. about um, movement in VR and like how you could use simple things to like, so you don't have to buy like $8 billion yeah. stuff. Anyway. Oh, that's, that's actually really cool. I didn't think about it that way, but like it makes that kind of experience more accessible to people, mm-hmm. which is really good. So, yeah. Yeah. Also, and this has been picked up by a lot of outlets, but the, um, the ro- that robot game is basically uh, uh, Miyamoto's Project Giant Robot that was originally for Wii U a couple years ago and mm-hmm. got sort of just eventually didn't come out and then dropped off of a future release calendar. But it looks like from the journalists who did the demo in like 2014, it looks like this is what became of it, which is like exciting. Like Nintendo yeah. never throws an idea away. It's <laughs> That's so cool. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of ideas that are, we're bringing back <laughs> and finally releasing. Yes. <laughs> Clawbreaker is coming out soon. Yes. <laughs> okay. Spent most all, basically all of yesterday working on the game, um, and it's been it's been it's been a, a two year long like break since we've worked on it last. <laughs> yeah. Unlike other games that shall go nameless on this program <laughs> that have been uh, go, you know worked on consistently for mm-hmm. many years, mm-hmm. and it seems like it's been forever. Mm-hmm. Clawbreaker was just put on a shelf. Yeah. Right. Because you had such a big team and it was a game jam game and like, you just know it. You just never got back to it. You finally did. Yes. Thanks to Martha. It's all Martha. Well, thanks. <laughs> I, I, I've just, I just helped the rest of the team come together. That's oh, all I did. So, so humble. <laughs> well, you kept bringing it up, which is important because like we all knew it was a thing, but we all didn't want to put in the effort to do it. But you were the one who wrote, finally wrote on Slack. Hey, everybody, when are we meeting? So, <laughs> Literally because you kept bringing it up. (laughs) Otherwise, I would have been like, well, it's done. I love the Herculean congratulations you guys are giving each other for like, yeah, but I sent the email, but you're the one who, you know, like said hi to someone. And (laughs) I mean, you know, sometimes when things go unchecked for a long time, that is what it takes. And it feels like a big deal. And it's really great. I'm so excited for that to be out and for you guys. And really, you just spent yesterday... Uh, with the team uh, doing like final things, making a final build, mm-hmm. building a website, and it's being put on Steam, and it'll be out soon. Yeah, Steam and it. Yeah, yes. yes. Um, what else we got at the top of the show? Uh, uh, Global Game Jam is soon. Yes, uh, it's this uh, week, this upcoming week. That's right. It's pretty exciting. Um, I don't know. Are you guys, you guys pumped for it? Yeah, I am. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be so much fun. Well, Martha, you're going to do something interesting, right? Yeah. So. Um, so I'm going to be doing mostly support during the jam. Um, so I'm going to be um, s- like set up in a room and people can come ask their questions about Git. So if you have any problems with your repo sharing your game. Uh, if. <laughs> <laughs> when. <laughs> um, you can come and if I don't know the answer, I'll help you figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's going to be cool. Also, there's a bunch of um, voice actors who are going to be showing up to the to the Minneapolis site um, to add their voices to games. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm going to have some recording equipment so to help them get their voice in your game. So nice, nice. start thinking about that because <laughs> you want the, these actors are really cool. So and also we're going to try to get a couple of like on the spot interviews uh, for people in the middle. In media res, yes, <laughs> um, that we'll put on uh, a future episode in a couple weeks, so um, people can hear kind of what it was like. Uh, we'll see how much of that we can manage while doing our own things. But it's like you were there. <laughs> <laughs> but if you listen to the, our GDC episodes last year, uh, Martha did a bunch of interviews on the tr- on the train jam, 
Um, and we edited those into the episode. And that was, a, I, I loved that you'd gotten all that. And it gave a real like context to that event. And it was such a joy to hear all those different people's perspectives. And so we're going to try to do the same thing here at Global Game Jam. And we'll, we'll see how we do. What else we got? Well, um, hashtag screenshot Saturday. I actually <laughs> worked on my game. Whoa. Oh, whoa. <laughs> my goodness. Stop the presses. <laughs> so I have, I have a background for one scene and the characters there and two things you can click on, except something's broken because I don't know how to do it. So <laughs> both, like, it, they, the characters say both things when you click on one of the things. So, they just talk over each other. Yes, well... <laughs> Yeah, they just say, that's my bed, and also, look at this magic potion at the same time. <laughs> well, that's great. Well, we'll see if we can get that screenshot and put it in the show notes. Yeah, yeah, huh? yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll put it up, and then we can retweet it or something. I know I speak for everyone on the planet when I say <laughs> we've been waiting for this, and so it's very exciting that you're, you're really getting momentum on it. I know. The minute I told you, you, like, almost collapsed. <laughs> <laughs> So thanks, guys, for believing in me. Um, well, the other thing we have to do is hand uh, the microphone over to our sports um, commentator on the show, <laughs> Mortho. And now with sports. <laughs> Hello, this is Mortho, talking to you about the Overwatch League. The Overwatch League are all pansies because they didn't assign any women to the team. Mortho is very upset about this. They're afraid of losing to a girl. That is the only reason they didn't. Okay, now back to you, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> well, Martha, before we let you go, what, I mean, that's, a, that's terrible news. Mm -hmm. They had an amazing opportunity to change the world of esports to be more inclusive, and what did they do with it? Squandered it. Can they do anything about it? There are plenty of women e-athletes mm -hmm. who are up to the challenge and ready to play, and the teams just didn't sign them. So to help it, the teams would just have to sign them. Okay, so it really is that simple. Yes. You know, it kind of always is like that simple, right? <laughs> You want to come back here, Martha? Oh, hi. Hi, hey, I'm hey. back. You just missed Martha. What? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. We can never be in the same room at the same time, it seems. Let's talk about Steam. Uh, you know, the, the thing you almost everyone buys PC games off of because it's pretty much almost the only option. Untrue. Lies. Oh, is it? Well, we'll discuss that. Oh, man. Sorry. <laughs> Martho has invaded my system. I need to. <laughs> nice games. Nice games. Okay, we're back. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm curious, like, how many Steam games do y'all play regularly? Not many. I'm not really a PC gamer. Sure. I have all my VR games, or many of them are on Steam, uh -huh. um, but uh, not a lot. So I'm, I'm, I'm always very surprised at how, in, um, how entrenched into the gaming culture Steam is, because to me, it's sort of just one other thing. Yeah, I got you. Uh, when I first started playing. PC games, uh, I bought everything on Steam because I just didn't realize there were other ways to do it. Mm -hmm. um, and there weren't as many other, like, now a lot of games I play also have their own launchers, like like anything on um, Blizzard and stuff has their own launcher. And and um, I've been trying to buy more stuff through Itch, but when I first started, I played mostly through Steam. Yeah, uh, for me, the majority of the games that I play on PC are through Steam. Mm -hmm. And I guess the majority of games I play on PC are just Skyrim. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. But I, I mean, I also play every uh, once in a while, I play other games like Cuphead or Neo and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I normally get those on Steam. Yeah. I think one reason why I bought things mostly on Steam is because they had such a good like friend communication mm -hmm. thing. Like 
everything had a steam overlay so you could do alt tab and then instantly see like all your communication with your friends um which was like there weren't as there wasn't like slack when we first started or like discord so i didn't like there was no other way to do that while we were playing so yeah i guess i've never been interested in the community aspects of steam because i normally just play games by myself when i'm on pc um, or like on a couch or something so Mm -hmm. i don't I'm not really looking for a community. And but I guess when I was buying games, I just didn't realize there were other options. Yeah. And most of the AAA games are sold off of Steam unless they have their own thing like Origin or uh or the the Blizzard one you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and even that is I mean pretty limited. Like mm-hmm. Origin is where EA sells all of its games. Right. Um but it's it's only EA titles on that service, right? Uh, uh for the most part I think, yeah. But then uh, Ubisoft has Uplay. But you can still buy those games on Steam, mm-hmm. um, and most people do. Even though you could buy them from UPlay if you wanted to, um, I think there's even an option to like get a Steam code. <laughs> like, so like they, you know, they're trying to have their own thing, but they're also like cognizant of the fact that like they're they can't take on the Goliath, you know? Yeah. Um, whereas I guess Origins found some success. I mean, those games are just too big to not sell. So um, I don't know. But it's funny. I mean, the way you talk about it, like you're really guilty about this. Like, well, because as as developers, mm-hmm. it, it is like as a, a consumer, it's very nice to have all everything in one place. Mm-hmm. As a developer, it kind of sucks. Yes, <laughs> right. Because you just have to deal with all the stuff Steam does. Yeah. Um, and like there aren't any options if you don't want to deal with that unless you put it on itch or something. Mm-hmm. And that's and miss. what I've what I've been finding is that Steam has such like uh brand like monopoly mm-hmm. that people don't even like. Most of my friends who are all avid gamers, um, they don't didn't know what itch was. Like I had yeah. to tell Dylan what itch was. Yeah, yeah. right. So. That's 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 the unfortunate thing. It's Steam is effectively a monopoly, mm-hmm. and so that well, that actually leads me to my next question. When I mean, we're already kind of loading in here, but I was going to ask: Is Steam good for developers or consumers? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like the consensus is. Not the greatest. Well, I mean, I have complained a lot about Steam on uh-huh. the show. Yeah, um, but at the same time, um, it, it's 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 from a it's like a relative place. Mm-hmm. Like Steam um, is actually good for developers in some in a lot of ways. Sure. Yeah. In that um, you know, back in the olden times when you had to go to electronics boutique to get your CD ROMs, um, you know, an indie developer would have a really hard time getting into that that supply chain. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Steam launched to a lot of controversy when it, you know, in what, 2004 or something. And, but it really made it okay to sell games online. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In a way that, like, wasn't uh, feasible uh, um, or practical before that. Yeah. Totally. And, and that is, that is the reason the indie market can, can even have a chance. Yep. It's so true. it's important as we complain about it. Um, and I do try to remind myself. Um, particularly because I've I've looked into the Steamworks API where you you integrate Steam features into your games. Mm-hmm. Looking at it, I'm thinking like, oh, this these are all really cool features, and like, oh, I oh, this makes you know, and like you were saying, Martha, about having the overlay and having that community and having those like what it brings to it is really good. It's just I definitely have two minds about it because mm-hmm. it's good in some ways and and really terrible in others. Um, in that it it uh, your consumers because they are so inured to Steam expect you to cater to everything steam offers mm-hmm. and 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 only that mm-hmm. and um because i got a lot of comments on my when, when i've been through Greenlight, like oh uh i can't wait to see a different like steam trading cards for this i'm like what is that even and like mm-hmm. uh, like oh, when are you gonna do achievements and stuff and i'm just i mean not that that's gonna like a barrier to s- sales exactly but it um because i'm not 
as interested in some of those little bonus features, I worry that I'm going to miss a lot of people who just expect it as like table stakes for PC games. You know? Right, yeah. Um, so the, yeah, it puts different demands on you that maybe you don't want to, you're not super comfortable with. Yeah. Uh, Steam also like takes a lot of uh, the cuts of like the, the profits of the game. They take, what, 30% of it or something? It's not publicly known, but oh. that's generally, I mean, it's like any other app store. I, th- yeah. I think that's pretty much it. I think it's common, take it, yeah, common knowledge it, that that's the, that's the number. Yeah, but they take a decent chunk of your games out. Mm-hmm. And like you, have to, you also have to like rely on, because of the way Steam is, Steam has a whole bunch of games and it's gotten even easier to get on Steam, which is, I think, a good thing. But um, because like there are so many games on there, you kind of have to rely on Steam to advertise the games to people. Or like you have to be pushing it really hard on other social medias and such. So yeah, it's really discovery. Diff- yeah, and so it's yeah. really difficult for your game to be noticed unless it's already been noticed, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is really hard. Yeah, and you know, I mean, there's there's an argument that like without Steam, you'd still have to do all that. Yeah. Um, but the thing about and this is true for app stores as well. Like um, lots of mobile developers, it's not necessarily that the situation is so bad. It's that the expectations are so different from the reality. Mm. Um, um, there used to be, I think the, the veil is lifted now, but there used to be this impression of like, oh, it's the distribution is handled and it will appear in categories and people can find it if they search related terms. And, yeah. and oh, maybe if I get lucky, it'll be on like the, the, the featured page. And, yeah. um, and it doesn't actually give you any inbuilt uh, benefits. Mm. Um, you, you do get a, a chance at it, right? Like it is a real chance and people have been featured, of course. But uh, that expectation makes you sort of changes how you think about like uh, about making sure that you do proper marketing and promotion and you know that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. right? Um, and Steam is just like that. You kind of think like, oh well, if it's on Steam, at least people can find it. But it's not really true, mm-hmm. you know. And that's not Steam's fault exactly, but they, that impression is given. Well, to developers. they could do better at at looking at a search searchability. Like even a, yeah. on a consumer side, it's hard to find. Like we were looking for games that looked like Clawbreaker. Or like that were like Clawbreaker yeah. when we were doing some research yesterday, mm-hmm. and finding fighting games like just finding fighting games yeah. was difficult. Yeah, I feel like that shouldn't be difficult. Uh, you can't you can't search for individual tags. Like you can click a tag that a game has on it, and then you can search for it through that way. So mm-hmm. what I think we ended up doing is we went to like Dive Kick and then click look for the tag and found fighting tag and then click tag. But you can't like huh. type in fighting and then search for that in the tags. You have to do that roundabout way to do it and it's not that's not necessary <laughs> it's too much it's too much work on the consumer is there so like, is there like a page somewhere where all the all the tags are listed by popularity or something they actually there is there's like a gigantic list because there's so many tags because you yeah. can i think you can make your own tags in there right? I, I think that's probably true yeah. yeah so like there's a bajillion and two of those tags and mm-hmm. you can like search through them all if you want but like they're yeah. not in any particular order or anything i think it's just based off of games you've played Right, so, like, right. if you're looking for a fighting game and you haven't played any fighting games, you, you're not going to find that tag. Okay, well, that's that's really a UX problem, mm-hmm. yes. right? Because like, I'm just imagining, like, oh, if you just had a you had a page with all the tags on it, you could yeah. just do you know Control F on, on a page, and oh, and sure. that would be your way of searching. Yeah. Um, but if you don't have access to all of them, or at least you know the top ones, mm-hmm. right? Because the the top 200 probably cover most of your like search needs. Yeah, probably. Um, I don't know. Yeah, that's weird. I, I, I don't. I don't search for games enough on Steam. I guess I don't. I mean, I don't, I don't either. But the yeah. one time I needed it, I couldn't. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny because when we were uh, doing a nice plays a couple weeks ago uh, in Fatality, mm-hmm. uh, we wanted to do an indie fighting game. Yeah, and we did have a hard time finding it. Um, yeah, it was uh, luckily one had just released that week, so we we were able to find it as a new release. But actually, yeah, I, I remember searching for fighting games. I wonder if that's 
specific to fighting games. <laughs> That's true. It, it might be. <laughs> Our sample size is small. <laughs> no, no, fix that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I wanted to also talk about like Steam Direct versus Steam Greenlight. So mm-hmm. uh, I think we talked about the Steam Direct in the previous episode. But yeah, um, I did a topic on Direct when yes. it came out, yes. and we also talked to the Korths, mm-hmm. uh, who are making Verdant Skies, which is coming out real soon. Yes, oh, it, it is. is. Uh, we'll put that in the show notes. They, we talked to them in our very second episode about Steam Greenlight, so we'll put all those, if you want to listen to us, go on about that. Um, but uh, yeah, so Direct is now fully out in the world, and that's the system, and mm-hmm. I haven't really heard a lot of reactions from developers on how it's, go- how it's going for them. Um, it, it just seems kind of an uncontroversial thing now. I think, well, um, Martha, you did a lot of that stuff yesterday. You like, had to sign up in order to get it on Steam Direct, right? Yeah. For a Clawbreaker. For Clawbreaker, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it seemed pretty straightforward. You had to have all this information to give them up front, like um, bank accounts and tax information and yeah. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you have to pay $100. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's, I feel like it was way more straightforward than let's make a campaign to make sure that people see our game and, but they can't buy it, but they have to go on this thing and hopefully we'll get it where this would be like, you know, we just have to wait 30 days and then mm-hmm. we can, then your game is, can be up. Yeah. 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 And that's, that's the one limitation to publishing is that waiting period, which is designed so that you, maybe it's, is it for first time uh, publishers or is it just, or is it for every game? Um, it seems like I was looking through the documentation. It looks like it says first few titles. Okay. Um, I don't know what that means. You know, that's kind of similar to how the messaging I got through once you get through Greenlight is like you're an approved developer at that point, which means your next game doesn't have to go through Greenlight, but still has to go through something, but they don't say what the something is. So, uh, and I don't even know if that system is even in place anymore. Like I'm not, I, because it's been a while since I've gone, I've looked, gone back at the back end because I have nothing to do with it yet because mm-hmm. um, my game's not ready. Um, I actually don't know what my status is. Like, do I have to, am I an approved developer and do I have to, or do I, do my future games have to go through Steam Direct? I know the, my Metro Nexus doesn't, but uh, anyway, yeah, so I guess they're not being more clear than they were in the past. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah I suppose. <laughs> um, I mean, the main benefit is though, it's much easier to get on there. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I guess like, Part of it is because you had that campaign, people were kind of excited about your game from the get-go. Whereas mm-hmm. if you do Steam Direct, no one will know about your game. So you have to do the camp. You have to do a marketing campaign if you want the game to be successful, regardless, right? Yeah, I think Greenlight was supposed to be this idea of 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 yeah, like helping developers with a thing they would have had to do otherwise. Mm-hmm. But it but it conforms it to the Steam experience in a way. Yeah. Whereas like um, now, if you don't do that, it, your your game won't be seen by anybody. It, you know, so it goes. Uh-huh. But if you do do that, it will get seen by people as it was before. So it's like it's just back in the hands of developers. Yeah, um, I guess so. Also, like the I think the main purpose of Stream Greenlight was as a filter. So like, yeah, uh, games that people didn't want on Steam wouldn't get voted up. Right, right. And the problem I think was the community of of players. Um, which is this is not a knock on them at all, but like they were not like excited about that responsibility. Yeah. Um, and so there were uh, the people who voted on Greenlight were there. Were, it was a very small part of the Steam audience, mm-hmm. and they had their own sort of rules. Yeah. Like it became kind of this weird insular community that had standards different from what Steam intended, and Steam never policed that system. Yes. They never enforced that thing, and they always kept secret how the the metrics worked. Yeah. Um, and like every Valve product, they build this big enormous thing and then don't maintain it at all, mm-hmm. and leave other people to like 
manage it and figure yeah. out how it works and make it successful. Another consequence of Steam Greenlight was that because there was a filter and that filter was built on based off the community, there were games that like didn't seem like Steam games, quotes, quotes, quotes. Yeah. Um, like maybe games that uh maybe were ported from mobile mm-hmm. or something, or maybe games that are like supposed to be relaxing. They're not super action packed or whatever. Yeah, yeah. A lot of those games uh, I know there were people in the community um, who had tried to release those kinds of games and um, they got like downvoted or commented uh, negative comments on it and stuff such because of because of only because of the way it looked. They just yeah. didn't want that on the, on the service for some reason. Yeah. And, you know, gamers as a as a class mm-hmm. are uh, protective of their identity. Yeah. And um, that can be very frustrating. <laughs> yes. Because, yeah, it's like, yeah, like it's not, it's not a Steam game. It doesn't belong in my world. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, l- let the market decide that maybe. Yeah. Like, um, well, now the market is deciding that. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's better. I mm-hmm. mean, um, uh, like if Steam is going to be in Monopoly, it needs to be as open as possible. Yeah. And, and it's, it's getting closer. Mm-hmm. Um, it still costs more to publish on Steam than it does to publish on Android. That's true. Um, or or on Oculus, like you can, you can wow, you can self publish a game on on Oculus for free. Oh, um, I think that's still true. Hmm. It, it, with VR gamers who like Steam and want Steam to be the only way you get PC games, yeah. hate Oculus for that reason. Huh. And in the sort of Vive versus Rift debate, you know, when, when those things came out, that was a big part of it. It's like, oh, Oculus is trying to like do its own store and be greedy, and it's like the irony of that is hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, especially because yeah. Oculus is really developer friendly, mm-hmm. um, you know, in in a lot of interesting ways. Despite the fact that they have a, they do curate their um, their main store listing, they do let anybody step up to the plate. Mm-hmm. Um, which is really nice. Yeah. Um, whereas, uh, yeah, Steam is much more of this like weird automated robot and like <laughs> with this impression of of access, but it's it's not quite that same thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. But we talked about this, and when we talked about Steam Direct, like a hundred dollars isn't the worst. No, that's like you know that's accessible, and it. it like, I, I mean, I think the money is really just to tell Steam that like you mean business, right? But not like you mean a whole bunch of business. You right. just mean. Yeah, I'm trying to release a game, and I, I'm serious about it. So here's some money. If you sell a thousand dollars, you get the hundred dollars back. Yes, that's oh, true. Oh, that's right. Okay, all right. Well, uh, which you know, I mean, it's, it's nice. A thing. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I guess. I mean, that's good because uh, with Steam Greenlight, you, it was a hundred dollars to 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 sign up for it, mm. um, and that money went directly to charity. So that was a that was nice. It went yeah. to Child's Play. Okay. Um, so that was also an access thing, but they made it very clear up front that like they're not trying to make money off of people's failed green light attempts. Yeah. You know, um, whereas Steam Direct, it is, goes to Valve, but then, yeah, they give it back, and that's their way of saying that it's not just trying to take money from developers. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, it's not, not the worst. No, um, no. I, I think that Steam has made um, um, a much better um, attempt at, at fixing these things, some mm-hmm. of the issues that Steam has. Yeah. Steam sales, though. Yeah, <laughs> that's like a meme. Like I see, uh, you know. Oh yeah, because every time I think it's it's probably less pronounced as it was or than it was back in the day. But like every time a Steam sale, like a big thing, like the winter sales or mm-hmm. the summer sales or whatever, would come up, everybody's like, "Oh man, um, they're trying to take your money, hide your wallets." <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, I think it, because of the way, because of how like impactful Steam like has affected gaming culture mm-hmm. um it's almost like players are expecting the game to be um on sale within like a few weeks after release yeah and it's causing it's causing some problems so like sometimes people I, I i just saw a thread um about like what was it night in the woods 
where like the game, I think the game is what twenty twenty five dollars or something initially, and it just recently came on sale after a few months of release. Yeah, for twenty five percent off, so it's fifteen dollars, um, which I mean is pretty cheap, right? Yeah. But, like people were complaining about it because it's not fifty percent off. I yeah. want my game for ten dollars. I want it for five dollars. Blah blah blah, and like I think that because of how the Steam sales have like happened and how that's affected things and how people like people really really look for games or look to buy games during the Steam sale. Mm-hmm. Um, it 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 changes it changes how like developers have to approach the game and stuff. Right. Or approach right. approach Steam and stuff. And uh, like when your game goes on sale, mm-hmm. it's not up to you. Right. Right. Yeah. So I think, uh, yeah, it's I'm, harder to strategize. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I'll just buffer the thing so that the sale price is the what price I want or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't actually know all the ins and outs of that. Like, what happens when your game's on sale? What does that do to your percentage or any of that? I feel like that's basic information I just don't know. Um, yeah, I guess I don't know either. I just know I just know that it's like affected how people approach it and how like the players. Gamers will like complain about this game not being on 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 sale after mm-hmm. a month of release. Yeah, which like that was never the case in the past, but now that Steam is a thing and Steam sales are regularly a thing. Yeah, yeah, it's it's caused some controversy there. Yeah, I mean, as a developer, it's kind of exciting to think that there are people who are just waiting to spend money on games, and mm-hmm. even if they know they don't have time for it. I'm mm-hmm. like, great, I, <laughs> put me in that pot. Yeah, but um, but yeah, that that expectation that culture is it feels volatile and a little scary mm-hmm. um, exactly and i think they're trying to i i, I assume my thinking is just it's out of hand mm-hmm. like I, I think it it came from a place of of trying to do good things for players and yeah, developers i think so too um and that's probably true in a lot of cases still but it does it feels it just feels icky now mm. i guess um but yeah i, I mean i mean we'll see uh, what are you guys selling clawbreaker for that's a good question. Yeah. <laughs> Not sure. Hey, Ava. <laughs> if you're listening. Okay, so you'll sell it for something. Yes. Yeah, pricing your game is a whole separate discussion, though, yeah. that we, we should have on the show one day. Well, I think once we get Widget Satchel done, mm-hmm. we'll, be, we'll be having those discussions. Oh, yeah. Because um, we'll have already sold a game at that point. Yeah. So Heartbreaker will be out, right? Yeah. Yeah. Hey. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we can we do it on the show then, because you guys have no, will have learned something, mm-hmm. and, and we'll have some uh, learnings to lean on and, yeah. and instincts. So that'll yeah. stay tuned for that in a couple of months. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Um, um, does anybody pay attention to trading cards, Steam trading cards at all? I've just read articles about how terrible they are and responded to comments on my green light page. Like, What's that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I have some, I think mm-hmm. from playing games, but I, don't get it. Okay. Oh yeah, I get like a notification that you have new items in your inventory. I'm like, what, like, what is that? <laughs> and I'm like, ick, get them out. I don't yeah, want I'm that. Oh, goodness sake, it's it feels, so annoying. It's like having uh, text files on your desktop. It's like not hurting anybody, but like, ugh, ugh, right. get, get, clean it up. Like, uh-huh. I don't want a bunch of random things in my, I, even though I don't care, I don't want, I don't know. It's, and it's like a big notification <laughs> thing. I just <laughs> don't want any of that mess. Uh, okay. Well, yeah, I'm glad nobody pays attention to trading cards. We don't I talk think about them. Yeah. my brother might. Yeah, try to sell some just to get mm-hmm. more Steam money, or I don't yeah. know. It's like a whole economy, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. For people who don't know, and I don't know a lot about it, but it basically is like you earn them when you play games, mm-hmm. um, and they're they're basically just like themed to the game, and then you can sell them on a secondary market, mm. which is um, for a while was exploited, but Steam really uh, um, cracked down on it. So as far as I know, it's not. 
as crazy as it was. Okay. But just the idea of it is just bizarre to me. Mm-hmm. I don't understand it. Yeah. It's, like, it's just one of those things that like, well, I guess I'm not really like a, I'm, I'm not, it, it, it alienates me from gamer culture because I feel like I just don't understand it. Not necessarily a bad well, thing to be alienated from gamer culture. <laughs> no, but at the same time, like, why? Like, why? Yeah, why? I, I, don't, I, yeah I don't understand it. it. Like, it just happened one day yeah. and I was like, okay. And then I like looked into it and I was like, oh, this is kind of a neat trading card, but I don't really want it. Yeah. And then they just kept giving them to me and they won't stop. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel similarly. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a big part of like most gaming culture though because yeah, like most people i know don't have anything don't are like what are these you know that's interesting because like because yeah it does feel whenever i see that i'm i feel like oh i don't this isn't interesting to me and i must be the only one because steam gives me the impression that everyone's into it mm-hmm. you know what i mean like stuff like that yeah like yeah popularize it or whatever so yeah it doesn't do a lot though mm-hmm. at least i don't feel like it. yeah but that's that's the thing about steam is it represents gaming it's mm-hmm. what it's gaming, mm-hmm. right? And so everything everything Valve does to a developer, um, it looks like oh, that's what gamers are into. Yeah, and that and that may or may not be true. Sure, but yeah. like you kind of have no way of knowing, mm-hmm. um, no no simple way of knowing. I yeah. suppose. I guess that goes for like Steam um, achievements too. Yeah, like I don't really pay attention. I don't like achievements. I I like achievements. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We've talked about this before. I yeah. think a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, we had a, it was a really good discussion on the um, MSP Game Dev Slack uh-huh. about achievements a couple weeks ago. Oh, maybe that's um, what I'm remembering. <laughs> we were saying, oh, it's a really good way to incentivize certain goals in the game. Yeah. And um, my opinion on it is is that it should it should be so separate from the game. It should be totally just like Easter eggs and high scores and and like kind of nothing else. Um, I, I don't. I there was some discussion about like how do we use achievements to um, to to show players what they should go for, and mm-hmm. so and that feels like a design question that should just be in the game. Um, mm-hmm. But um, but I, I think I think achievements are just a cool thing. I don't see a ton of downside unless, as a developer, you start you know relying on them to do work for you. Yeah, um, yeah. I feel like they should just be meta, yeah. like funny things, like oh, you did this funny thing, and you get like the joke pun achievement yeah, for it. Yeah. yeah, if your game is like if it can work into the games, uh, like. Borderlands is a lot of a lot of good achievements that are like you talked to this random person or threw a grenade at this random thing or whatever and yeah, like yeah. it gives a pun like you have a pun as your mm-hmm. achievement. It, okay, it's, it works with the whole like theme of the ga- ethos yeah. of the game. Yeah, so. yeah, but it's not itself part of the game. Yeah, it's a it's a communication between the player and the developer. Um, like they're just hanging out on the couch with you. Mm-hmm. Like that scene. That's maybe not. May not sound like a natural metaphor, but that's really what it feels like to me. Mm. When I like, you know, when we were playing Color Jumper and I died a million times, I got achievements. Says you died yeah. a million times. That feels like Ben was sitting next to me saying, "Oh, hey, I noticed you died a lot of times." <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and that feels that's that 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 sort of that communication is is abstracted, but I think that's value. I think it's interesting and valuable. Okay, we must not have talked about this on the show because yeah. I don't like achievements. Yeah, and I think if we had talked about this, I would have brought up how much I don't like achievements. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, would you like to table it for a future topic yes. or do you want to get into it? I would like to table it for a future topic. Because <laughs> uh, I, I think that... You hear that, Martha? Like, he let us get away with our opinion. <laughs> <laughs> for now, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I also, before, I, before we end, I wanted to make sure we talked about the alternatives to Steam. Yeah. Um, because there are, other op- there are other ways to spend your money on games aside from just Steam. Mm-hmm. And, you know, physical games, too. But no, don't go to GameStop. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man! They're a dying business. They need your love. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> I, I what was there? Aren't they working? Weren't they trying to do some like new thing where like you could go in there if you had this pass or something? You can go in there and you could take whatever old or um, yeah, old games they had. Like kind of a Netflix, like a old school Netflix kind of sort of thing. Yeah, <laughs> I don't remember hearing about that. I think they like canceled yeah. on it immediately though because people were abusing it. I can't remember. Yeah, but anyways, alternatives. There's itch. It's yeah. that IO. Um, a lot of like. Indie indie games are on there. Yeah. Um, like, not big games. There are a lot of small games on there, and there are a lot of obscure games on there, but like cool games too. Mm-hmm. And obscure games can be cool. <laughs> so, that's, <laughs> so that's another opportunity. Um, good old games, I think they have a lot of um, older games. So, games that you don't normally have access to anymore that used to be on PC all the time. Yeah. They had, um, they had, I bought, uh, Alpha Centauri again from them, mm-hmm. and they also have the Titanic point and click that I used, my family used to play, which is so great with Vlad <laughs> <laughs> and the fencing mini game. Yeah, they're great. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then uh, there's also Humble Bundle because mm-hmm. um, now they have their own store. They have a Humble store, right? Yeah. yeah. You don't have to just buy bundles, but like you can also buy bundles too. Mm. And um, some of those proceeds go to charity and such. So that's good. Yeah. Um, and then I heard about this new um, thing that's coming out soon, soon TM, called Robot Cash. Mm-hmm. Um, some details on it, like the dev- developers get ninety five percent of the profits, and games can be resold to other um, to other players, other people on Robot Cash. So like you can, if you buy a game and you're like, oh man, this game sucks, uh, you can sell it to somebody else, and maybe they won't think it sucks, and like the dev- developers get a cut of those profits too. So like it seems like. Overall, this is really good for devs. Mm-hmm. Um, that sounds awesome. Yeah, and even it could it could be like, hey, I've finished this game and I'm never going to play it again. Mm-hmm. Like there's a bunch oh, of yeah. story games that I've played that I will not be playing again. Mm-hmm. And it'd be cool to like, you know, hey, here have this copy, and then if the devs get mon- part of that too, that'd be really cool. Right? Yeah, I, I think that's really good. You know, as a dev, I would love that. Mm-hmm. Oh, that sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know, as a player, if it's a discounted price that that's just feels the same right as a used copy or whatever yeah but as a consumer advocate it makes me a little nervous because that's about that's licensing that's not i mean as much as i'm more sympathetic to the dev side of of this whole uh uh, situation sure something about selling someone's uh something that belongs to you and that its original manufacturer gets a cut of that that seems kind of wrong to me. That's also true. Yeah, I didn't but, even think. But there about is a that. difference between because you know because digital goods are essentially licensed to the user, right? You you pay to for access. Mm-hmm. That's sort of that's the legal uh, uh, setup for it. Yeah. So this um, fits within that framework, but at the same time, like if I wanted to sell my old copy of like Little Big Planet to somebody, mm-hmm. I it's like give me five bucks. Here it is. Like there's no reason Sony needs to be involved in that. Yeah, um, that's so, true. That's fair. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, yeah. There are so many different angles to these things, and you know, there's not there's, there's not one right or wrong way to do it. It's just that like there are certain it, it, expectations change over time, and mm-hmm. and what um, you know, and like maybe this is required so that the market be, can be healthy, so to support developers, so that doesn't make it right or wrong. It just makes it like different from how it's done in other ways. Sure. Um, you know, that's why you know, like. GameStop isn't all evil because, like, yeah, you know, it is mostly evil. But <laughs> there's a little good, of good. Yeah, but there's different ways to handle a lot of yeah. these things, and so. Yep. Yep. Well, it's just like uh, the whole thing when the newest Xbox One and mm-hmm. PS4 came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was the whole thing where Xbox was like, "We're not going to let you play games that have we like aren't 
license to you or but like right, it was yeah, something yeah, yeah. about um that well, you couldn't use games was, or whatever. Yeah, it, the, their plan was that you would buy a game, put it in your in your system, install it, and then you could throw the disc away. And so you could have digital games, but from a physical store. It was a good idea, but the consequence of that was that the disc they had to find a way so that the disc couldn't just be copied to 30 people's Xboxes. And I think people didn't like that because it precluded that, that idea of, of selling used games, which mm-hmm. for console players, it's a very common thing to, to sell every game you own back to GameStop or Best Buy or wherever to, to fund future games. That's the, it's oh, part, yeah, of, that it's part of being a console gamer. Yeah. Um, PC gamers just do steam sales. It's a different way. Right. Um, and so uh, I remember when that happened and uh, thinking like, well, I don't really sell my games. So th- I, and was like, I could live with a system like that, even though I didn't like it either. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was so much backlash. They were just like, never mind, never mind. We will not develop that feature. And then they just gave up on even solving that problem. Yeah. Of, uh, which is sort of a s- sad thing. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess the Xbox One isn't doing so hot either way right now. So. Well, and that part of that initial backlash, like that, that was a speed bump that started that generation. Yeah, that's true. That, yeah, that, they that, literally that announced that. And then Sony got to make their announcement like the next... <laughs> Press conference yeah. was theirs, right. and they're like, "Wow!" Well. <laughs> was it like the same day at yeah. E3 yeah. or something? Like, We're not doing that still. <laughs> no, they they did a really good job of like taking advantage of those stumbles, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in a way that was like fun. Like, <laughs> yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. Like, sort of Microsoft. It's what happened to Sony. Did the same thing when they announced uh, the PlayStation Three after the gangbuster success of PlayStation Two. They're mm-hmm. like. We have these customers forever. They'll never leave us. We can do whatever we want. Yeah. And then 360 swooped in and stole all those customers. And then yep. they got hit some hubris and, mm-hmm. you know, and it's the, it just goes back and forth. So, yeah, well. it does. <laughs> Meanwhe,ile Nintendo <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sell you cardboard boxes <laughs> and make all the money. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as a developer, it, uh, consoles are interesting because, mm. um, uh, certainly as an indie developer, you're not going to get through retail channels. And right. even then, you need to be licensed by the platform holder. Mm. So there's one option. And, yeah. and and people are not generally upset about that. But again, it's about like, expectations are different in that world. And like, it, but you know, there's there's no itch for Switch games. That's true. You know? That's true. Um, it's just the eShop. Yeah, and, but I guess if you're like uh, annoyed by how Switch is, how you get games on Switch, you just go to another console. I suppose that's true. But like, you got to pay a whole bunch of money to go to the other console. So it's like, yeah. you've already installed yourself in it. Yeah. yeah, I guess it's I mean, a whole I'm, other I'm a I'm a lifelong lover of all things Nintendo, mm-hmm. and I think they make a lot of good uh, moves that are both dev friendly and consumer friendly. Mm-hmm. But I'm also a believer in open architecture, and so when I complain about Steam, it 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 does strike me that like it's kind of hypocritical because like Nintendo's that same way, Sony's that same way, mm. like. You know, a PC is just a console that's that crashes more often. Like <laughs> you know, kind of to 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 users is really what it that's is. That's accurate. Um, so why shouldn't it operate that way? Mm, I you know, um, I don't know. There's not there's no real like hard answers uh, ideologically to a lot of these questions. Even this is where Charles would swoop in and say, "Well, there's that Windows Store." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll say actually the Windows yeah. 10 Store yeah. is getting a lot better. Oh like, yeah, and for games especially. Mm. Um, Unity has a great uh, UWP, Windows Universal App uh, Platform uh, distribution uh, method. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they've been putting a lot of VR games on that store. And uh, it's, uh, anything that's on there that's also on Xbox is cross-play. Yeah, that's um, right. I, like, I have a copy of Cuphead for PC because I bought it on Xbox. I, like, I didn't realize that at first. I'm like, oh, that's cool, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's still a joke, but like, it's substantively a better experience than it, than it ever has been. Mm. And it's funny because like, Microsoft is always the one that's, you know, like the, the threat of monopoly comes from them. 
but in the world of PC gaming, they are not that. Mm. <laughs> not, not on console or PC. Um, so it's interesting that there it, there's always needs to be those underdogs, those second and third players to to drive innovation. Yeah, right. right. Competition is good. Mm-hmm. We're all capitalists here. <laughs> <laughs> When you buy your games, you might be getting a two-for-one deal because your game might have a game inside it. Oh, that's a good one, Martha. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so games in games. So yes. this is sort of a fun topic that um, I, I honestly, when we were coming up with topics a couple weeks ago, and, we, and I put this one down, I don't remember why I thought of it. And then I was doing some research on it the other day, and I still don't remember why I thought of it, but, I have, but now I'm happy we're doing it. Yeah. Um, but I just wanted to go through a couple of examples of... Um, uh, times when like a wholly separate game is inside of another one. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times this can just be Easter eggs. So, um, uh, you know, it, it's very frequently like an old version of a game in a new, uh, in like a sequel or a, a game 20 years later, or whatever. So a couple of examples, um, uh, famously uh, Maniac Mansion uh, is emulated inside of Day of the Tentacle, which is its sort of oh, yeah. spiritual yep. successor. Yep. Um, and, uh, and interestingly, when, um, uh, when Double Fine put Day of the Tentacle on, uh, they remastered it uh, a year or two ago. Um, they actually had to write a new emulator oh. uh, to, so that Maniac actually could still run in it. Oh, wow. Um, oh, my gosh. Which is, which is really great. Because <laughs> um, uh, this is such a famous feature, they couldn't just cut it, mm-hmm. even though not it would really be able to bother with it. Uh, but uh, one of the new Ninja Gaiden um, games um, uh, had the original. Ninja Gaiden, I think the, either the arcade version or the NES version, I don't remember. Okay. Um, it, as, as like an arcade machine that you can go and play. Oh, neat. Um, that's pretty common. Uh, Sonic Generations has the original Sonic the Hedgehog in it, um, but you have to go and buy a Genesis controller at like a shop or something. Huh. So like, it's, it, it, these are always really fun ways, um, and they tend to be kind of meta. Uh-huh. Um, and of course, Animal Crossing is a great example. Oh yeah, it's got the, a whole bunch of old Nintendo games in it. Yeah, the, the one for GameCube had, um, some of those games never appeared on Virtual Console either. Yeah. It's like the only way you could play them emulated officially was uh-huh. <laughs> on a GameCube copy. Of- oh my gosh, so you need a GameCube emulator to play the <laughs> Animal Crossing so you can play, emulate the... <laughs> oh wow. It's <laughs> yep. video game turducken. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what this episode will be called. <laughs> uh, my my favorite example of this is well is um, in Donkey Kong sixty four. Yeah, you could they had both because uh, this this game was made by Rare, mm-hmm. so it had I believe it had both um, Jetpack, which is an old Rare game that they re released recently on the the Rare review or replay or whatever it was called, mm-hmm. um, and then it also had old school Donkey Kong, but not like. The new old school Donkey Kong, where like it only had those three levels that they tried to sell on the Wii. Yeah, they had all of the levels in it, like the arcade version. Yeah, the arcade version right. had all the levels on it instead of like because there's one level with like pies and stuff, and you have to jump over the pies or you trip over them or something and you die. <laughs> that's how that's how that's how dark it was in back Steven in the reviews Donkey Kong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, a lot of times it's it's really about nostalgia or about uh, history. Mm-hmm. Um, but other times it's just uh, like for funsies, um, like um, in uh, uh, Call of Duty, uh, the last couple of versions, um, they'll put old Activision games in it. So it's the history of that company, right? It has oh, nothing yeah. to do with the game itself yep, necessarily. Yep. Um, famously, if in um, uh, there was a, I think it's black, one of the Black Ops games. Um, it, you, you're like strapped to a chair or something, and if you if you like do something other than what the normal story path is, you can break out of the chair, walk over to like an old DOS machine in the corner of that level, oh, wow. type in Zork, and then you can play Zork. Like, oh, <laughs> that's awesome. That's cool, right? Yeah. The moral of that story is like uh, maybe you don't need to hire so many people <laughs> to make video games. 
<laughs> Maybe you have yeah. a little bit too much time in your hands, Activision. Yeah, uh, I don't know, but uh, that's really cool. Uh huh. Um, yeah, I know. There's a um, in in the well, second most recent Uncharted, Uncharted Four. There's yeah. a period of time where Drake is playing with the other person, and they're like playing. They're playing Crash Band. <laughs> the other person. I can't remember their names. I just remember Drake because his yeah. name is in like three of the games uh-huh. in the title. But um. You could play like he play Crash Bandicoot and he's like terrible at it, and uh, yeah. the other person is making jokes at it. Right, <laughs> so, and uh, Crash Bandicoot is a game developed by Naughty Dog, yes. which developed Uncharted. Yep, and yep. Um, that's really interesting. I do want to talk about that one in particular a little bit later too. Oh, okay, because it has like a really interesting story implication. Yeah, um, but a couple of the really fun examples um, are games that are like hidden in the code uh, that aren't necessarily uh, meant. To, you know, they're not part of the. They're not like an Easter egg. They're mm-hmm. just hidden in there. And so mm-hmm. the most famous ones of these are uh, in Microsoft Excel. Um, if you what? type a certain combination of keys yeah. uh, in Excel 95, this is a spreadsheet program, uh-huh. uh, you get a game called Hall of Tortured Souls, which is like a Doom clone. And it's like a full what? game in, oh. inside of Excel 95. What the heck? And then in Excel 97, a, a different e- a, a set of keys that you entered in would give you a full featured flight simulator. Wow. Yeah. It's incredible. <laughs> wow. That's, wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's, oh my gosh! I yeah. have no idea why any of this happened, but like it's kind of a cool little piece yeah. of yeah. Like, that's like why wow. though? I like, know. <laughs> that is something. Uh, that's, I mean, Microsoft does have a flight simulator, mm. and they really and but for some reason, a different one appeared inside of Excel ninety seven. Oh. Very strange. Uh, yeah, that's. Cool. I really want to load it up in an emulator and play that just just to see what it was like. How Easter eggy was it, or was it really a full gameplay experience nice place um, plays excel we should we should do <laughs> that. oh my gosh put a pin in that okay um, <laughs> um a couple of the really uh, hidden ones that are not actually meant to be found by anybody they're mm-hmm. just like vestigial in the code mm-hmm. um in goldeneye the goldeneye double seven um it had a um a zx spectrum emulator zx spectrum was a european uh a pc platform and uh it had a game called saber wolf in it and th- there was no rights to that at all it was just rare was de- it was developing an emulator for Nintendo 64 oh yeah. and it just happened to be in that project for some reason like it was there was some Someone shared library got to uh do a get ignore for it that's exactly what it was basically <laughs> is they forgot, they forgot to remove it and so it ended up shipping inside there so there is actually huh. an emulator officially released on nintendo 64 which is very strange nice um yeah, I, I find that really interesting. And I, I, I would love to, to uh, like I was looking and there's not a ton of examples of those because they're pretty hard to find. Isn't, wasn't Frog Factions 2 released inside someone else's game? So this is one that was very specifically um, part of the experience of the game. Uh-huh. And that is another interesting one where, uh, like category, where it, the whole point of the game within the game is saying something about the game. Uh-huh. And so Frog Fractions, which is just kind of this weird game, um, its sequel was like long in development and then there was like an ARG to like find it. Like basically the developer said like it exists, it's out there, I've released it, good luck. Oh wow. And maybe we're like where am I going to find this thing? And it ended up, yeah, in like an educational game or something. I don't know all the details on this, but it was written about, it's only happened last year, right? Yeah, um, or something like that. So our listeners probably know more about it than we do, but um, we'll put a link uh, about the 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 saga of that because it's so fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, like that someone would just actually do that and not worry about like, I don't know, making money off of their game or whatever. <laughs> uh, like just, and, but there was legions of people like hunting for any hint of what it was. And the, the, the game that it was put in was not even from the same developer. So it was, spe- it was like hidden. It's very strange. Huh. Dang. <laughs> yeah. That, that's that. I find that really fascinating. Yeah, um, but sure. uh, other really good examples of, cause that's a good segue to this topic of like, of using this as a feature in your games. And mm-hmm. I think this is probably this is probably what inspired me to do this topic is this sort of like actually using it uh, to say something interesting and creative. Mm-hmm. Um, Uncharted 4 is a good example of that because 
Um, when it starts out, it's kind of just a fun scene. Uh, it's not an Easter egg. It just happens in the storyline. Yeah. Uh, like it, 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 like there's a scene, it cuts to black and then it fades back in and you're just playing crash bandicoot. And then, then the camera pulls out and from the TV, you see original PlayStation and then you see, uh, Drake and Elena on the couch playing it. And that's a very cute scene and they're eating noodles and whatever. Mm-hmm. And then that's very cute. But then, um, I guess spoiler alert, if you want to, uh, not the end of this thing. Oh but, yeah, I guess. Um, at the very end of the game, it happens again. Um, after all the whole plot is over and you're like, what's, what's going on with this? And then, and you play the, I think it's the same level. And, um, and because I think, and then eventually it pans out and you're actually in a, a, a girl's bedroom. Oh, that's right. And it turns around and it's some kid and it's, and you know, who is this? And then she's like, Oh, mom and dad's old video games. And <laughs> it's a great moment. Mm. And, and, and that, I don't know that there's a better way to deliver that moment. Right. Um, and so I thought that was very cool that like they took something that was clearly uh, in internally. Someone was like, what if we did this? And it was, you know, so it was it probably came out of like an innocent fun idea, yeah. but they found a way to really leverage it into what the cinematic nature of uncharted, which is, I mean, uh, uncharted gets knocked a lot for being just a movie like mm-hmm. with video game controls mm-hmm. in it. But like, that's an element where you could not do that in a movie. Yeah, for you know? sure. They should do more of that and like, less of the other stuff. <laughs> Well, I'm just saying, like yeah. you know, it contains multitudes. So yeah, yeah. That, I, I, I thought that was really great. Yeah. Um, and then that that begins in a whole epilogue to the 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 video the game, mm. which is really good too because all the action is over and that epilogue, like all, very little happens. It's all story content, but you still walk around. You play as their daughter, mm-hmm. and um, um, th- there's even like little objectives and stuff. But it's like there is no enemies. There's nothing. It's just, it, for a gamer who's like really charged up on all the uh, gunplay in Uncharted, it would be really boring. But because they tee it up that way, it really sets the tone that it lets you kind of settle in for the epilogue. Mm. And so it does a really great job. And it, it's through that specific mechanic. It's, I don't know if it's ever been used in that way before. Um, I, I really love that. Admittedly, yeah, Uncharted 4 did some good things with this gameplay then. I like <laughs> he reluctantly it. admits. Yes. <laughs> there are a lot of bad things, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. Um, <laughs> another really good recent one is uh, Wolfenstein 2 the new Colossus uh-huh. um, is, uh, which is a, a, a pretty interesting game in that it, it really is uh, le- leverages its, its sort of classic Wolfenstein 3D roots but also is a modern st- uh, uh, a game that tells a very modern story uh-huh. um, about, uh, about, uh, about fascism and about resistance and, and, and it's really good uh, in that way um, but one of the things it does is you can play a, a game called Wolfstone 3D in like a bar or something and it's basically an emulated version of Wolfenstein 3D oh. but it's, a, it's, it's inverse propaganda so you play as a, a Nazi, an innocent Nazi soldier Surrounded by like uh, 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 like terrible resistance fighters. Oh wow! And in the end, the battle instead of like Hitler with a machine gun, like it is in the original game, uh, you fight like I th- it's probably the main character or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's really interesting commentary because mm-hmm. it leverages the player's um, understanding of uh, Wolfenstein, but um, all and it is sort of a, maybe it's a piece of blunt sort of uh, propaganda satire. It's not that inter- you know, that complicated, but because it's a twist on something that we know that is in fact propaganda, right? Like Wolfenstein 3d is like, I mean, it says the, it takes out the not controversial opinion that Nazis are bad and you should, you should hurt them. And, but it is actually propaganda in a uh, way in, in, in its literal definition. Yeah. And so turning that on its head, I think is really interesting way of looking at like how cult, how pop culture works in society. And and how uh, you know for good or ill, um, and uh, I, I find that really fascinating. Mm. Um, and again, I don't know how much how uh, into that sort of like um, the social sciences they were thinking when they were doing that, or, or just thinking like, oh, wouldn't this be cool to turn it on its head? But um, stuff like that is fascinating to me, and I think it 
gaming has an ability to do that because gaming has a history now. Yeah, it's been yeah. around for long enough, and so we can say more things using that as a as a as a canvas. And I think that's really exciting. That is. Um, so that's another interesting category, and probably my favorite. But the third one is just like mini games, right? Like this is not that is you know since time immemorial when you you know you you in, in any game where you could just like play. You can go bowling with, with a character or something. Uh-huh. Um, Grand Theft Auto has a ton of these, of course. Most open world games have mini games in them because open world games are boring. So- <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> nice games, Mark. I know, I know. Nice games. But, I, but they, they tend to be stuffed with these things that are just content padding. Um, Assassin's Creed is how, like how, loaded. How often did you play Zelda? How long did you play? Yeah, that? let's just uh, let's just uh, <laughs> yeah, but, okay. What about, right, what about, right, what know, about Mario? I think I think I remember you bragging a little bit about Mario. Yeah, yeah but yeah. it's not the same thing. I'm talking about like right. I mean, like the just because they have Nintendo characters in them. <laughs> yes, that's the reason. <laughs> We're just teasing you. <laughs> no, I, I um, totally feel no, you. No, but you know, yeah. Zelda has mini games. Right? Yeah, it does. and they're all terrible. <laughs> They're really boring, and I don't like them. Okay, well, um, there it is. But no, but that's that's a really common thing to, yeah. to pad out content or to make more interesting things. And and um, yeah, Grand Theft Auto does that. All the Ubisoft games uh, do that. Um, and some of them are interesting. Most of them are not. I don't know. Maybe I'm coming at this from a, a position, obviously. But do you guys have any examples of things that was that was really good? Well, no, I didn't think so. <laughs> <laughs> This is great. Gwent is one of the obvious uh, well, that, examples. That's a little different. Like you have a quote from Dylan on this, right? Yes. He says, Gwent is such a good game. It made me stop playing the best game ever made <laughs> to play it. Wow. <laughs> uh, yeah. And um, um, for people, who know, it's a card game that you play in, in, in Witcher 3. Witcher. That, <laughs> that your character plays. Um, but it's so fully detailed that it, it is now its own standalone product. Um, and uh, I theorize it was always meant to be that because the, when you play Gwent in Witcher, all your trading cards are like characters from the game. Mm. And so like that doesn't make any sense <laughs> like, in terms of the eternal logic of the thing. Doesn't Dale have a quote about that? Yeah. <laughs> she goes, hi, uh, I'm Geralt. You might, rem- you might know me from my trading card. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dale plays Gwent all the time in Witcher, um, but claims to hate it. I think she just does it so she can get money. Because um, she's really good at it, and but she just complains about it all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, which is another problem with those kind of mini games is like they tend to be like ways to farm resources. Yeah. Um, which right. Is, so you have to play another game in order to get resources in the game you're actually trying to play. Yeah, that's why I played checkers in Assassin's Creed because I am ace at checkers. I'm so good. Nice. I I, I really am, and I don't. Yeah. There's no there's no reason to brag about it, but I'm super good at it, and uh, so I can beat any computer at checkers, and uh-huh. and so it's like oh yeah, I'll bet all the money I have, no problem. And so the problem is. <laughs> like every move was like shh, shh. oh so like yeah. it took forever to actually play a game of checkers in that right, game cuz like when you i maybe i'm i'm jumping a gun a bit but like uh-huh. when you're making a game in a game your the main focus is the main game so yeah. like these other mini games you're not going to put a lot of time in it so like that feel stuff where the checkered pieces move really slow yeah. you're not going to put a lot of focus on they that, tend right? to be really janky and that's yeah. why gwent is a really interesting exception because like they clearly like put a bunch of people on it mm-hmm. um, and, and gave it a lot of love. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas most of the time, and that's that, uh, yeah, the most of the time they're bad for that reason. Right. Uh, not, not necessarily. I, I'll, I hate to say not just like always bad, <laughs> uh, 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 like as a matter of course, it's because they're usually not given the love they deserve. Yeah. Um, or they pack a ton of these little games in there because they don't expect you to play a lot of them. 
Yeah, it plays like right. one, once or twice in your eighty-hour campaign. Yeah, those games are meant for variance, the variety in the open world. Because like, yeah. yeah, I think in a lot of open world games are huge, but like you kind of do similar things most of the time. So that's just to break up the pacing and such. Mm-hmm. It makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. Um, there's also really fun mini games you can play, like Spy Fox, uh-huh. Spy Watch games, <laughs> where um, it's just well, they're basically clones of of. Uh, existing old games so yeah. like there's one that looks like like asteroids i mm-hmm. think is the original name and there's one that's like what there's one that's like uh single player fingence basically <laughs> <laughs> little happy fun sub <laughs> little happy fun sub. why isn't fingence called that <laughs> <laughs> we we heard about this game beforehand. Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah a lot of times the mini games uh like that the games the character plays tend to be like uh clones of of like classic games that have no IP attached to them, no copyright problems. Mm-hmm. So like Breakout, would, you know, Breakout or Asteroids or Tetris. Games that like are recognizably something, but the, the rights holder would have a hard time suing you over. Um, that's, that's pretty common as well. Uh, another thing you can do in one of the Spy Fox games is play Go Fish. And I know that me and my brother would play that game just so we could go play Go Fish against the pig. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I don't know. I, I thought those ones were pretty fun. because. Yeah. Uh, like, I don't know, even though those weren't open world games, but right. it was, I think a lot of point and clicks also have, have mini games in mm-hmm. them. Yeah. Right. Cause the gameplay is so, um, I say this with love, but it's monotonous. It's very like regimented and, mm. and samey that I think the developers even get stir crazy and like, let's, let's have something else in here. Um, and so the instinct is pretty strong for that to, to happen in those, in those things. So what mini games are going to be in your, uh, point and click, Martha? Well, I can't give you Fingence, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Lol. <laughs> uh, no, I think I think I've been thinking about having some sort of like learn Korean letters. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Mini game yeah. thing. But I'm not sure yet. Yeah. Like sort of tracing outlines and yeah. kind of matching to it. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh or like um part of the game is like having a costume for the festival thing. Mm-hmm. And so like may being able to design your own little costume would be cool too. Oh, and then that follows you through. Yeah. Like <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> See, those are, those are like um, alternate mechanics that, that come off as mini games, but are really part of the main thing. And that's another way of really like uh, having it matter and having it be part of the whole experience. So I, I love stuff like that. That's really cool. Yeah, so I don't know. Mm-hmm. The thing with the topic like this is you could just rattle off a lot of examples because there's so much fun ones. There's Mario um, Party. Uh, well, yeah, I suppose. Minigame collections is different because you, you wanted to talk about WarioWare. Yes. And I'm like, I, I don't mean, know why I want to talk about WarioWare so much. <laughs> you just like WarioWare. I do. Yeah. It's fun. But that's, that's not the same thing. Yeah. When we, do our, when we do our thing on, on minigames, like just purely minigames, okay. we can revisit. Can I ask the distinction between games and games and minigames? Right. Uh, it's a uh, difference between parent-child relationship and sibling relationship. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah, I, that's pretty accurate. You didn't expect me to have something so quick, did you? I <laughs> <laughs> <It> came prepared. <laughs> Rated and outplayed. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the last thing that really 
uh, I want to talk about is mm. how things like this really uh, add to the sort of t- tone of an experience. Yeah. So uh, the one example I have uh, for this um, is in Mario Maker, mm-hmm. which has a lot of callbacks to Mario Paint, which yeah. is another sort of creative thing uh, from Nintendo. A lot of the iconography is from Mario Paint. And it, they also include this sort of secret fly swatter game. Uh, in oh yeah, uh, uh, w- which a lot of people have done in Mario Maker and and comes from Mario Paint. Yep, and um, it that does two things. It talk it, it again. It's about this sort of history and lineage, but it's not em- emulated or anything. It's just a new version of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, it's really about setting the tone of like what kind of fun Mario Maker is. Like, imagine if that happened to you while you were. Uh, working on something in Unity, like a little fly would buzz by, and you had to click it, and you could play a mini game in Unity. Like you'd be really mad about that. Yep. Like even if, the, even if the game was fun, right? But Mario Maker, even though people take Mario Maker seriously mm-hmm. and like good on them for doing it, yeah. uh, provides so much joy and frustration <laughs> for the rest of us. <laughs> yeah. Um, stuff like that really tells you that, like, oh, this is just a fun toy. Mm-hmm. This isn't a. F- even though it does have a lot of like tools and is a proper level editor, like it's, a, it's an incredible thing. It, it always wants to remind you that this is just a fun thing you should enjoy. And I think that's, that's the purpose of something like that is. Mm-hmm. And I think that's also a very useful um, uh, purpose for mini games inside games. Mm-hmm. You know? um, but if, you know, if you're developing uh, you know, something for yourself, it, it, like, um, those are things to think about. Yeah. It's like, uh, um, you know, is, is it just a fun Easter egg? Because there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with it having no other meaning than that. Mm-hmm. But like, if you have the opportunity to... to Leverage it for something better. I think that would be really interesting. And there's a lot of room for innovation and and unique uh, narrative approaches. And it, a lot of it is about tone and, and narrative more than it is about mechanics. Even though it's done through the language of mechanics, and I find that I find that really fascinating. And so I would totally encourage devs out there if they're thinking about stuff like that to like really think about it and and yeah. and don't just stop at isn't this cool? You know? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I agree with you. It can like add a lot to your game. Mm-hmm. That you um, would be missing out otherwise. Yeah, something to consider. And on the other side of that, sometimes you don't need that snow bouncing thing, Mario Odyssey, because that ain't fun. <laughs> Are you talking about the thing where you have to race? Yeah, where you race with the big bouncing. I hated snow. that. All right, high five me right now because it's <laughs> the worst. <laughs> Steven, you liked that though, right? Uh no, no. Who was I, I talking to that said they liked probably it? Probably Charles. It was my brother. Yeah, I was. Whoever told me student. I was resisting the urge to punch them in the face. They're like. <laughs> That is a wrong opinion. You can, you can never mind. I probably shouldn't say that on the air. I will. I will nice re- games club, Steven. Yes. <laughs> nice games club. Didn't say it. <laughs> yeah, but I mean the the good the good thing about um all of the little mini games in Super Mario Odyssey is you can tell they put a lot of effort in it so that like they they it's a thing, right? Uh-huh. Instead of like like the checkers example you're saying, where yeah. like they they put it in there because they need a variety. Whereas mm-hmm. in Super Mario Odyssey, they put it in there and they put some time to make sure that it was good. Yeah. But it's still like a secondary. You know what? I will say, as much mm-hmm. praise as I put on that game, yeah. I kind of disagree with you on some oh, there. Oh, okay. Um, I think uh, in some cases, yes. Yeah. But like, think of the jump rope one, for example. I mean, everyone hates that because it's hard. But the problem with the jump rope one is the camera. Is mm-hmm. I'm always fiddling with the camera to get a good view. Mm-hmm. And it's just a, you can put the camera anywhere. Yeah. You can put the camera in a position in the, the jump rope challenge where it blocks your view of, of Mario jumping. Oh, yeah. It's a thing could. you can do. Yeah. That's very un Nintendo mm. to like allow, even allow that to happen because mm-hmm. it lock, you can't move. You're locked into a position. So why doesn't it like put the camera in the best place? Yeah. That's, that's fair. That was the most frustration I had with it because mm. the, the, the first time I did that one in the story, mm-hmm. I got 80. 
And, oh, yeah. and, and, it, and I'm like, oh, great. And then uh, the guy goes, maybe you get 100. I'm like, oh, it doesn't sound like that much, that hard. Maybe I'll try a couple times. I'm mm-hmm. not. But then I couldn't get past 20 after oh. that. And I don't know what it was that first time. It's because uh, I didn't have the expectation of it being hard or something yeah, like that. Maybe. So that really turned me off to ever trying it again. Mm. But then when I finally did beat it, like it was just a stupid slog of like, mm. you know, because I was 100 percenting that game. So it's the only reason I even did it. Mm-hmm. But it was like getting that camera in the right place. And then in the middle of jumping, realizing, oh, you know what? I can move this camera, but I can't because my thumb is busy. Oh like, yeah. And that is just, that was not, I think that that was a bad experience. Mm. Um, and that's apart from how difficult and frustrating it was, is that it, the presentation wasn't totally up to snuff. And there's, I, it's, uh, honestly, isn't, uh, it's not I flawless. I mean, they didn't you know? make them perfect, but like, you just said they did. They didn't say they made them perfect. I said <laughs> that they put some effort into them. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. But I, yeah, like, I mean, again, yeah. like I said before, like these are secondary things. So you're yeah. not going to put all of, like they put all their effort in the jumping parts. And yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Um, the capture. Mechanic. Right. And that's, that's exactly it is that when you're doing a mini game like this, mm-hmm. um, it's hard as a developer to understand how, it, we, the player will engage with it because yeah. you are constantly thinking of it as a secondary thing or yeah. whatever, not a big deal. And so I think it's harder to play test those things. And even Nintendo suffers a little bit from that. Sure. Right. I don't disagree. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Mark was right. Oh, <laughs> I'm asking my ringtone from now on. <laughs> <laughs> That's our show. If you haven't already, subscribe to Nice Games Club in your favorite podcast app and be sure to give it a good review if you liked it or are nice like us. We really do need to know you're out there. So leave a review and tell all your friends too. And fill out our feedback form, which is nicegames.club slash feedback. Thank you, Steven. We also want to hear directly from you. So follow us on Twitter and all the other things at Nice Games Club. Let us know how we're doing. Send us your topics and ask us your questions. Lastly, you can find more about the show and your nice host, as well as get all the links and notes from this and other episodes at nicegames.club. So, until we start again, remember to play nice and make nice. very upset. You're welcome. No problem. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.